I have no idea what's going on through those masks. Wow, wonderful. Um, I, gosh, you know, I, I know I said one more uh, part on this, uh, on how to be a king, but we're going to actually do three parts. Uh, next Sunday is going to uh, conclude uh, this series on how to be a king. And it, it works out because First Samuel, Second Samuel, First Second Samuel, King, and Chronicles, they are all about the kings. And I didn't know, as I was reading it more carefully, just how important this part is. It's not just something we can go by, but I want to highlight uh, the parts of it that really impact us and, and, and matter to us. Um, so let me quickly pray for us before we begin in, in this time. Father, uh, as we just sang our, that song, Lord, build, I will build my life upon your love. Lord God, it is truly what a firm foundation. There's no foundation like the truth of Jesus. Lord, and what a crazy blessing it is that we are here because you chose us. We're, there's no other thing. We did not seek it. We did not deserve it. We did not like have some kind of special uh, characteristic. We're just, a, we're just a regular fallen human being with no hope. But Lord, you came to know us. You came to know our name. You came to know us. And you came to, Lord, give us a new life. So we just take a moment to thank you for that. And we just rest in that love. Lord, let this moment, let this moment of worship and prayer always become a time of refreshing. A time of, Lord, healing, a time of uh, restoration and recharging for the journey that is ahead, for the battles that are coming ahead. And so, God, we thank you for our brothers and sisters, Lord, this community, everyone who is not here physically. We re remember them and we bless them and we love them, Lord. Let the love that we have for one another grow even more in this season uh, so that, Lord, we can do greater works for you. So increase our heart to know Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Wouldn't it be great to be a king, to have all the power and authority that we need to live the best life, right? Uh, I've been arguing with us uh, that we are kings. And in fact, if you disagree with me or have questions about that, you can come talk to me in our discussion uh, in a couple of weeks, really. No, but, or you can just call me anytime and just ask me, what the heck are you talking about? But, you know, so last week, as we talked about it, that with such power and authority to the kings that we know in history, usually it doesn't go well, right? Uh, it can either be a great influence or a king can just mess it up grandiously for the whole of, of, the, of the nation and the society. So we looked at the book of Israel, how they started listing and talking in detail about the rise of the kings, how it was something that God didn't want, but people wanted because of peer pressure. Right? They wanted to have something more than God. They thought God was not enough, that we have to you know, act the part, to look the part. You know, we have to show the other nations that we have a king too. You know? uh, it did, and God said, okay, fine, you can have your way, but it's not going to go well. However, the Lord did find someone who he said, you know what, if there's going to be a king, it's got to be like this person. And it was King David. And the quality that made him God's choice is just one thing, right? And we found that uh, last week's passage, 1 Samuel 13, 14, is quoted by Acts in 13, chapter 13. He says, after removing Saul, he made David their king. God testified concerning him, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. The characteristic of what makes a true king is someone whose heart is after God. And it, what that means is just a beautiful way of saying he will do everything. He obeys. And for you and I, if we really want to be kings, it's because right now the truth is we're born as subjects to this world. We are under the influence of the world. 
We're born into flesh, into sin. We're born as slaves, orphans. But if your faith in Jesus is there, then we become delivered from that, and we're given, we're restored to our place as king. But the only way we can be really king is to live in obedience to the word of God. And King David, what, he, what, what touched God's heart was all the way, remember his life since the beginning, he had a horrible life, right? To even when he was, after he was anointed, 13 years being the national, uh, the nation's um, fugitive, running away from King Saul, he trained his heart above all things to seek God's face in every situation. And when he heard a voice of God, he obeyed. That's what a heart after God is. And that's what we need to do. It's not easy, okay? It doesn't, doesn't come overnight, but it takes time and it takes us to go through trials. But it's so valuable because once we have that heart, then we can live with the full backing of God's power and authority. Compare that to how, what happened to Saul, who um, is the opposite example of a failed king uh, because he was not a man after God's heart. Remember the time when he, when he was chastised, Samuel found him sinning and said, what have you done? And Saul replied, uh, to not make the long story long, uh, story, long story long, he says, when I saw, I thought, I felt compelled to, and he sinned, right? He was not a man after God's own heart. He was a man looking after his own heart. Whatever he saw was good, he did it. Whatever he felt, whatever he thought. And the real issue is Saul never had a history of seeking God's favor. But King David was different. Both King David and King Saul on the outside looked the same. Right? In fact, Saul was a little bit taller, a little bit more handsome. And what they did as a king was the same. You fight, you do things, you, you like become judge and all that. But inside, it was black and white. So the Lord is today looking for us to have the same opportunity to not be like Saul, to lose our God-given sovereignty and continue as slaves and subjects to sin in this world. And God is saying, I want you to develop a heart after my own heart, a heart of obedience like David had, and to win and to be victorious. I just want to give you a quick example uh, that I couldn't give last week of one of the most remarkable stories of King David's uh, victories. One thing, one story that exemplifies why this heart was so important. There was a time that King David uh, took 600 soldiers uh, these are extraordinary warriors, and he went after this other group, and as he was fighting them, he comes home, and guess what? While he was gone with the army, another nation, because remember, Israel was surrounded by enemy nations, came in, and they burned all 600 soldiers and King David's homes, and they stole all their possessions, including their wives and children. So imagine you are right there, you know, following David. He's the hero, right? He's the one that killed Goliath. And you're like, this is the one I'm going to follow. He, this is the guy that God's saying he's a king, right? And you come home and you realize your wives, your children, all your possessions, your house is burned down. How would you, how, what would you do to David? He would say, David, you're, you're great. No, no. In fact, it says this. In 1 Samuel 30, it says, when David and his men reached the, the, the town, they found it destroyed by fire, and it says, and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. In verse 4, it says, so David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. Here are these warriors just broken down. Everything you had, your dear, dear loved ones are gone. Even David's two wives had been captured. And verse 6 says, David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters that were lost. 600 men all of a sudden turn and say, David, 
We thought you were a man after God's heart. What happened? We're going to kill you. What would you do in this situation if you're King David? Option one, run really fast, really, really fast. But the verse says this. Okay, uh, the verse was here, sorry. David was greatly distressed because they're stoning him. But it says, but David found strength in what? In his friends, in his reserve, in his backup plan. No, no, no. In the Lord his God. In the moment where he realized, wow, I failed. It's like imagine everything you live for, it just moment it's gone. Right? He could have just like fell down and said, yeah, kill me. Or he could have suicided or he could have done something. But he says, no, I will go to the Lord. I will follow the Lord. I will seek the Lord, right? And then he says, the next verse says, and David inquired of the Lord, should I pursue these raiders? Raiders, will I overtake them? Pursue them, the Lord replied, for you will surely overtake them and rescue the captives. Of course, reading the scripture, we see it back to back, like David prayed and back. But what if God's answer came maybe after a day, after a few hours, while the 600 men, they're planning to kill him, the situation is getting more urgent, but what does David do? He says, no, no, no. I'm not going to look at my circumstance. I'm going to do what I always did. I will seek the Lord. And God answers. And guess what? They go after these guys. And by the help of God, they restore all the things they, were, they lost, all the children, all the wives. They get it back. And it's also a plus. That nation bows to the nation of Israel. See, what would you have done in that situation, right? What would have King Saul done in that situation, right? He didn't give in to any other pressing needs or concerns. He did not give in to what he saw, what he thought, what he felt, what the people wanted. But he did what he always did. He prayed and he relied on his relationship to God. He knew that the most important thing in his life he had in every situation was to pursue God's heart. Seek him because when you seek him with the whole heart, he speaks to you. And David knew that. And David knew the only one that can rescue him was God and is God forever. Compare this to the opposite example of what happened to finally King Saul. The second time he sins and he disobeys God's word, Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned. I violated the Lord's command and your instructions. I was afraid of the men, and so I gave in to them. Now I beg you, forgive my sin and come back with me so that I may worship the Lord. Samuel says, no. He turns away. Saul grabs the cloak of Samuel, and he tears it away. And, and Samuel says to Saul, just like my cloak has been torn apart, the Lord has torn me away from the kingdom of God. But do you guys see what's, what I underlined here? Why did he sin? He was afraid of the man. He lived his life based on what he saw, felt, and thought in the physical. And he realized the man, what happened in this situation is they had to go to war, and before you go to war, you're supposed to worship God, and God's supposed to tell you go or not. And Samuel wasn't there, but Saul decided, you know what, I'm just going to do the worship myself. But that was, not the, that was not the word of God. Here is a difference, right? David, in the midst of 600 men who failed everything, are about to kill him, and they can kill him real good. He says, no, I'm going to pray. I'm going to seek the Lord's face. Versus Saul, Saul, who says, oh, I see the people are angry. He gives him to them. So that's the end of the story that, that I want to, uh, oh, no, not, not the end of the story. And today, as I promised uh, last Sunday, that now that you know the quality, right, of what it takes to be a king, I want to help you take the next step of saying, of, of understanding, now that you are a king, and the reality for all of us is, yes, we are king. You, you might not feel it, but when you believe in Jesus, in that instant, you became a new creation. 
You are restored to the image of God. In fact, Paul says that you are right now seated in the heavenly places with God, ready to rule the world, ready to judge the world, and also that you are now um, made righteous and perfect. You don't feel it, but that's who you are. But now that you are a king, friends, who can overcome the world, the Bible says the faith that you have has overcome the world. He that is in you is greater than the world. You and I, we are already victorious and champions. But now that we are, how do you maintain that and not lose it? Because you can lose it. So the question I ask is this. So David was great, right? He was honored. He finally became king. He's enjoying peace. He increased the territory of the, of the Israel as great as it can. The question is, now is David's job done? I'm going to share with you guys one of the, David's greatest mistakes that he committed in his life and, and maybe share from this story um, truly how we can either lose or continue being kings, okay? Because now I know, I hope you understand, very simple are you seeking the Lord in your life, in every circumstances, or are you living by your own heart, what you see, what you feel, what you think, and the consequence will be night and day. But if you have chosen Christ to be a king in his kingdom for the sake of his kingdom, then how do I continue that? So here's a story. One of King David's worst mistakes ever is when, when he committed adultery with a woman named Bathsheba. Raise your hand if you don't know this story, Bathsheba. We all know the story, right? Bathsheba becomes the mother of Solomon. Long story short, he was, uh, on this one particular day, he was a fighter. He was a warrior. He knew what it meant to, you know, follow God into battle. As a king, that's what you have to do, right? The only way you can, you can maintain your, your kingship is that there's going to be fights, right? There's going to be other nations. And so unless you are ready to fight and developing your army, you're going to fail as a king. But this one particular day, while his army was out in the battle, he stayed home. So he's like, you know, watching Netflix. He's like just chilling out, you know. He's just having a day off. And then he just goes out to his balcony and he sees something that he shouldn't have. A woman bathing on the top of her roof. And it was Bathsheba. And he loved her so much that he said, he said to his uh, soldiers, uh, to his attendants, who is this woman? And they basically she, he goes to, he, uh, he sleeps with her and then he realizes, oh, you're married, right? And your husband is uh, Gosh, um, gosh, why am I I'm missing his name? Uriah. And he was one of the generals. So he has this uh, very elaborate scheme to try to cover up what he did. It doesn't work, so he has him killed. So not only does he commit adultery, but in the same, same moment, he commits murder, right? In the, in, the, in, the, in the greatest first degree. So now what happens in that moment is then in that moment, the Lord obviously sees David, something is off about him. He sends a prophet, Nathan, to explain to him what he just did. And then finally, David realizes, I have sinned against the Lord. He realizes, he confesses and acknowledges that, wow, I just right now, for a brief moment, was not seeking the heart of God. I was seeking what I saw, what I felt, what I wanted. And then in that moment, the, the prophet Nathan gives him the punishment. And the punishment has two major things, really difficult things. The first thing is this. When, when he confesses, God says, okay, I forgive you. You're not going to die for your sins. But the son that right now is in the womb of Bathsheba through your relationship with her, he's going to die. And then the second thing is he says, the sore will never depart from your house. 
So otherwise, from this, David would have had everlasting kingdom. The, the glory of Israel would have grown and grown, and they would have accomplished what it was created for, to bless all the nation. The whole world was going to be blessed through this kingdom, but it failed in that moment. He says, through the, through the a civil war is going to break out. One of his officials is going to take 10 out of the 12 tribes, break the nation of Israel into two. And then one of his sons is going to try to kill him, and he's going to take his wives and make a public demonstration of sin. Pretty crushing thing. God didn't just overlook this sin. No, no he gave him what he deserved. So hearing this judgment and understanding what you have done, what would you have done if you were King David? You would have said, you know what, I quit. Guys, I, I, I know God told me to do this, but I'm just going to walk away. I'm just going to quit. I'm just, this is too much for me. You could, that could have been done what you do, right? Or the other option is you can curse God and say, I'm done with you. I'm going to stay as a king. You get out of my life, right? This is how you're going to repay me, whatever. You could fight God and curse him and all of that. Or, you know, he could say, you know, I don't like you, God. I like the other gods that say this is okay. Right? And in fact, they encourage this kind of behavior. No, but in, in order to overcome this terrible situation, he does not move. He does not escape this moment, but with his broken heart, he again does what he always did. He draws closer to God's face. As the son gets born, right, he gets sick, and as the son is almost dying, King David, he starts to plead with God for the child. Because David knows God is merciful and compassionate. He knows God, and God, he was saying, as long as he has breath, I'm going to fast and pray. And so he was on the floor covered in sackcloth. He didn't eat for seven days. He said, God, I'm, please have mercy. He was praying, seeking God's face. Instead of running away, instead of quitting, instead of cursing God, he says, God, I come to you as I am. I bring to you my sins. I, I, uh, he wrote Psalm 51 in this, in this moment, and then he does what he does all the time. And then finally, when his son dies in the seventh day, what does David do? Another, another opportunity. He could have cursed God. He could have said, I'm done with you, whatever. He, he could have told God, you know, all the Psalms I wrote to you, God, I'm going to erase them. As the deer panth, not. <laughs> but, you know, uh, uh, all the Psalms, he, he could just write hate songs about God. But instead, this is what he says in verse 20. Then David got up from the ground after he had washed put on lotions, and changed his clothes, he went into the house of the Lord and worshipped. Isn't that amazing? King David, this is why this kind of sin could have knocked him out, ended him, right? But God saw his heart. Even though his sin, shame, guilt, and, and evil did not deter David's heart, but in fact it made it stronger to seek God. That's why this heart is so important. That's the heart that you and I need when we're faced with such obstacles, such opposition, such failure, such shame. You don't run away from God. You don't go against God. You go to God. And that's what King David became the example and the example for us to live by. That's why when you read the Psalms, again, about half of the Psalms, right, it's so beautiful. These songs of worship and prayer represents this beautiful heart. And this is the heart that today you and I can and must also have in our lives. So looking at this story that I share, what is it that made King David almost lose his kingdom, his calling, his life, 
right? How, what was it that almost made him lose, even though he was trained, even though he was a man after God's heart, even though he was anointed and blessed, it could have knocked him out, just like he knocked out thousands upon other kings who, who lost their power and their authority. For a moment, King David, while he was on that rooftop, looking at the, uh, uh, lusting after Bathsheba, he let go of his identity and responsibility as a king. What is the identity and responsibility of a king, just like you and I? When you're given supreme power and authority, it's to serve what? Your own heart? No, God's will, which is ultimately about blessing, protecting, and influencing the people around you for good. The reason you believe in God chose you was not so that you can be great on your own, and you can just live your life the way you want it, just the best life for yourself. No, no, no. It's for the sake of the world. Right? The kingdom of God is not just for you, your family. It's for the world. Right? But in that moment, he let it go. And then instead of fighting for the kingdom, he stopped fighting. In that resting. Resting is not bad, right? but it's, it's the kind of rest for what purpose? In that moment of resting, it wasn't to restore him because he needed it so he could go stronger. No, it was for, solely in that temptation moment he wanted to serve himself and stopped his fighting. At that moment, he took his crown off. He was no longer a king. In order for us to be kings, we must always keep fighting. Friends, the way a king works is this. You don't need a king if, you, if there is no battle in this world. Until Jesus Christ comes back, there will be a never-ending battle, just like it was for the Israelites. We saw it in their physical battles. Today, you and I, as spiritual kings in this world, we have a battle that's constantly coming. But when you stop fighting, when your guards come down, when you lose your identity and your purpose for why you're alive in that moment, we slip, we fall, and that stopping the fight becomes the Achilles heel that can take us down. And, and I'm not saying that when you fall, you're out. No, you will be restored by the mercy of God, just like King David was, but there is consequence. There is casualty. There is pain and sorrow that's going to come out of our decisions, right? Because it was our choice to stop fighting. Friends, what David's fall shows us has direct parallel to your life and my life for the important lesson to learn. Our walk with God through the faith in Jesus gives you and me the same full power and authority that Jesus had. The whole arsenal of heaven is now given to us in the name of Jesus. Whether you like it or not, you have the full power to live as Christ did in this world, to rule and to reign, to, to trample upon scorpions, to crush Satan underneath your feet. But it's a choice we've got to make. It's a fight that we have to willingly do. God's not going to make us fight, but it's a decision you have to do. And as I said last week, there's two kinds of people, people who are going towards God or people walking away. Which one are you today? Are you right now the King David who is at the front of the battle, worshiping God, obeying his orders, going after the purpose of God for the sake of blessing? Or are you right now King David who is home with his crown off, open to vulnerability and attack? who has stopped fighting. Friends, um, your walk with Jesus cannot be like the vaccination these days. I feel like it's so interesting what's happening, the whole vaccination. Jesus is not a vaccine where you can say, ah, hey, excuse me, I got the vaccination card, I can go in. No, he's more than just a pass. It's a relationship. 
And just like King David, what qualified him was not one event, one ticket he got. He pursued God with everything he had. And even in that moment, he almost lost it. But as we saw, how he overcame was continually fighting to obey God's heart. Can I talk about relationship for a little bit? You know, speaking of relationship in my life, uh, I've just had a very interesting two months, you know, experiencing singleness uh, after you know, being married and having a kid and just being in the whole pandemic, you know, it was a wonderful experience. And this being single was also a lot of learning and a lot of valuable moments. But as I'm thinking about, I'm looking forward to seeing my wife and my son in about three weeks. And honestly, it kind of feels a little awkward. I kind of got used to being by myself. And in fact, I had to think like, wait, what does my wife look like again? (laughs) You know, and and, uh, no, for real though, like, um, I feel like I'm excited to go to Korea. Yes, see him, but I'm also excited to go meet them again. I feel like, honestly, I'm going to Korea to meet a new girl. (laughs) You know what I mean? I'm like, oh. But that's how relationship works. It's not like, oh, you're married, you're done, right? You're a man after God's heart, so yeah, whatever, you're in, right? A lot of us treat Christianity in the same way. Oh, I pray the prayer, I'm in. I'm a child of God. No, you are if you're walking with God, if you're seeking him. If in your sin you don't give up or you don't curse God, when bad things happen, you continue fighting. So anyways, uh, speaking of relationship, there he is, my son. That's his, uh, that's, he has grown. But I thank God that he is still a baby. I, that was my greatest fear. I was like, after three months, if I go see him, he's going to be all grown up. I'm like, oh, my God, I missed everything. No, no, he's still a baby. Uh, this is uh, Hanbok. Uh, this is uh, in his uh, playhouse at the children's home. They, you know, had this, like, uh, photo shoot, you know, with that. And then they also did this thing. Oh, by the way, Chuseok is the season right now in Korea. is a big national holiday. It's their Thanksgiving. And so happy Chuseok to all you guys. I don't know if the, is the cafeteria giving a rice cake today? Matcha. So a little, you know, little Asian flavor, contemporary Chuseok, whatever. But yeah, it's funny, you know, here he is, you know, learning how to make the rice thing here. But then the next picture is what uh, kind of shocked me. Uh, he cut more than just the rice. Uh, this is his new hairstyle. Honestly, I couldn't recognize, when I first saw the picture, I'm like, who, who, oh, that's my son, you know? I, I like this better. That's the way I remember him, but, you know, it had, you know, it, it, yeah. It's, it's the camera angle. It, his forehead looks huge. It's not that big, I think, you know. But anyways, guys, this, this baby here, I'm about to be go to Korea and be introduced to a new woman and a new kid, you know. But that's really, again, what happens to our heart when it comes to God, Right? To be after God's heart is not you fight once and you overcame and you're, you can rest. No, it's something you fight for. You continue going. Bad and good. When you break your leg, you continue to go. When something explodes that's, that's evil in your life, you go to God. You continue to fight. It's a relationship that God has given with us. And it's either you get hotter or colder. And that's what we learned in David's case. And thankfully, David, he continued getting hotter and hotter in his life. Friends, to live as kings, we must fight against the tendency, tendency and the temptation to let our guards down. And I think pandemic was a very uh, a, a great opportunity for us to just let go and let down. And I believe that God is allowing this to see, to, for you to see your own heart and realize, wow, I don't want this. I want to pursue God harder than before. I pray that that's what's really happening in your life. Recently, I was awakened to a wake-up call. I heard one pastor talk about 
uh, this idea. He actually said that God is not in control. And I'm like, what? God is not in control? Are you crazy? But it is true. He is in control of a lot of things. But, uh, but so much things, especially like your decisions, what you do as an as a individual, he's not in control. He gave you and I the control. He, he's not in control of my heart. He's not like making me think and see and feel. He gave me the freedom and the sovereignty to decide and to have free will. So what I do is my control. We can't just like lie down and say, oh, God, you allowed me to see Bathsheba. Oh, my gosh. Why weren't you in control when that? No, no. We have to admit it. God, I was out of control. I was not in control. Friends, the evil that we see in the world is a proof that God is not in control. If God is in control, there will be no pandemic. There will be no need for vaccine and fighting. There will be no need for Republicans, Democrats fighting. There will be no need for, you know, all these crazy things the world happen. So much of what's happening in the world is because those that have control have chosen to not pursue God's will as the kings they ought to be, and they chose to do the opposite. This power and, and authority that God has given to us, again, guys, you and I, we have to understand, I have power. I have control. I am a king. And just like King Saul or David, I get to decide my outcome. To die shamefully like Saul, losing everything, falling on his own sword. Or like David, who overcame the greatest mistakes, greatest trials, and became a champion. It's totally up to us. Have you ever wondered in this life, in your life as a Christian, if Jesus promised in John 14, 17, that we're going to do what he did, everything he did, and even greater things, how many of you guys know that's the promise of God? As a, as a, as a king, you can do it, as in your, not in your physical, but in, through their faith in Jesus, understanding who you are in your walk with God, you will do what he has done, every miracle he has done, everything even greater than those things you can do. But have you ever wondered yourself, how come I don't see that? I've been a Christian, what, 30, 40, 50, 60, you know, 70 years for some of us here. How come the power of God that God promises, where is the power? From the story of King David today, ask yourself, are you in the battlefield or are you at home on the rooftop chilling out? Which one is your Christianity? If you're at home safe, I'm glad you're safe, but there's no need for machine guns and nuclear bombs and grenades when you're at home. You, God, you need that, and God will equip it to you when you're in the midst of the darkness where you belong, shining the light, flexing your muscles, there's no need to flex the muscle inside the church. It's when you're at your home, when your workplace, where the control, where the people do not follow God's heart, where evil and injustice is rampant, that's when you have to seek the Lord's heart and be able to strengthen yourself. And God says, now my powers are yours. This is something I want you to chew on and think about in your own life. Really, where are you? Are you in the battle where God has placed you so that you can fully flex your muscles of power in God and freedom in Christ to show the love and the and a demonstration of power? Or are you, have you forgotten to fight? Have you forgotten what it means to love, to serve, and to live, turn after God's own heart? Next week, I'm going to detail for us in the part three, what is the battle, and how to fight, okay? But before we do that, we got to think, do I even want to fight? Am I, when was the last time I actually pursued God's heart? Or have I just been comfortable, like David was on that rooftop, and he almost lost everything? Which is the reality of your walk with God right now? Are you like, 
in my situation. I'm married, but it's really weird when you're really far away. It's not healthy to do too long. I think three months maximum. I'm so glad I get to see them and be like, oh, okay, I'm married. I have a kid. You know what I'm saying? Is that your reality or are you in a relationship with God where you're bearing fruit, where people around you are just irresistibly like being delivered, right? Being set free, hearing about God through your life. Which one are you? Are you on the battlefield? Are you at home? And you have put your guard down. Friends, I, want, I, know the, I know you know what the answer is. The Lord is saying, join me in the fight for my kingdom to destroy the work of Satan in this world. Coming to church is great. This is where we need to come and be encouraged and, and to be, be transformed. But the church is not your destination. Your destination is where God is not there, where God is not being worshipped, where God is not being loved. we got to learn to fight. Next week, I'll talk about that. Friends, I want to close with this promise. There's an important uh, reminder I want to give to us. I want to ask in your life, do you feel like you are like King David? Are you someone still fighting? Are you someone that says, you know what, Pastor Ngoi, thank you. I, thank you for reminding me what I forgot. That, I, that King David, what he did is not going to compare to what I'm going to accomplish through Christ in me, right? I want to tell you guys, though, this battle that we have is not to be fought alone, Right? Today, uh, it is so important for us as kings in this life to understand this promise, this warning that we have from Hebrews 13 as I close our sermon today. The writer of Hebrews, after he talks about all the great men and women of God, even saying that you and I, when we have those who have Jesus Christ, we are greater than John the Baptist, Abraham, Moses, David, all of those guys, Joseph, Daniel, those guys don't compare to the power and authority you and I have through the blood of Jesus. But he says this, See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Right there, heart turning away. That's the problem of sin. Sin itself is not the problem. It's, it can take care of sin. Sin is easy. Just blood of Jesus is done. But what the sin does is it makes your heart, instead of following God, turn away. How does it do that? It says, but it encourages one another daily as long as it is called today. Friends, right there, the fight of God, the fight of faith is not when you go to retreat. It's not that one time the evangelist comes and it has a revival in your church and you get on fire. It's not that once a week thing on a Sunday at 10, 11, 15 to 12, 30 that you do. It is daily thing. It is, it is unstoppable. It is unskipping. It is a continuous effort that we need. Why? So that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Sin's problem is this. It turns your heart away. How does it do it? It makes it numb. When King David saw Bathsheba and then his lust was activated, his heart stopped beating for God instead of being soft to hear the voice of God, to be broken before God. In that moment, it was hardened, and he fell, and he was alone. No one was there. Thankfully, Nathan came later, but in that moment, he was by himself. Nobody encouraged him, and sin crept in, and it hardened his heart. The next verse says this. We have come to share in Christ. The sharing right there, it means, again, everything. We're co-heirs. Everything Jesus has, there's not a single thing that he says you cannot have. As the Father who created the universe says to you, as he did in the beginning, everything I have made for you, it is for you. In the same way, everything I gave Jesus is now in you. You share that. How? If, indeed, we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. The fight doesn't end. If you're not fighting, I'm sorry to say, but you're losing. There is only one way we're going to make out of this. There's only one way that your life will go well in this life. 
is when you do not f- stop fighting the fight, fight of faith that King David had. Even when he was in the sin, he said, I'm going to fight with the fight of faith. Even when the whole, everything he did in his life came crashing down on him, he said, I'm going to fight the fight of faith to the very end. That's the example that we need. And we cannot do this on our own. The worst thing about pandemic, like I said, is not the power of the disease or the economic effect. It's the effect on your soul that it has made us on our own. It has made us lose the conviction. It's a conditional thing. And I believe the Lord is saying he is wanting us to be people whose hearts will not turn away. And it requires our encouragement that is ongoing, that is non-stop thing, friends. I have a dream in my heart as I've personally been um, experiencing and understanding in this uh, time of pandemic for me was a time of pruning. It was a, uh, physically, right, like uh, organizationally, professionally, it was time of pruning. Like say everything just came to a full stop and I'm like, wow, now what? What do I have? And I realized, Ingwan, what you really have and who you really are, you've forgotten. You've allowed the things that you see, you feel, and you think to take over and to replace the thing that you really are. You are a child of God, a king who has a duty to bring the kingdom of God to the ends of the earth and you stop fighting. Friends, just like King David, the simple key is this. It's it's in the act of prayer. If King David has one lesson to show us, one legacy, it's his life of prayer. Friends, I'm going to say this again. I don't know if I said it last Sunday, but without prayer, it's not going to go well with your life. I guarantee that. Why? The the forces around us, that now you're a target because you have faith in you, they are very powerful. Without the relationship, the hot relationship with Jesus, you're not going to make it. That is the 100% truth. So I want this to be a little bit of alarm in yourself. It's like, oh my gosh, think practically where and when do you seek the Lord's heart? If all you can think is Sunday, then you will know exactly how much you can expect in your life for God to show up and for you to grow in your kingship. Again, it's your control. Time is in your hand. Fully it is. You cannot be like King David. Oh, but no, King Saul, he made excuses. What did King David do when he knew his sin? He says, I have sinned. And he went to what he needed to do. Quickly, he started praying. Friends, there's a dream in my heart, something that I realized, wow, I've been pushing this back in my own personal life and as a pastor. The best thing I can do for all of you guys in your life is to help you guys develop this, that each one of you in your life your life of prayer, seeking God, hearing him, his voice, and obeying, that is my number one ministry. I'm not here to just comfort you. I want to do that. I want to love you, serve you, and train you to serve. But more importantly, in your individual life, with the gifts that you have, that you would excel as a man or woman after God's own heart. So just in a practical level, I mean, that's why our, our, our Saturday morning prayer started, because I realized that's a good time. For, for people to come on a Saturday. But also, in my heart, as, as Keone announced earlier, I want to, if you in your life right now have a feeling like God is saying, I want you to come back after me, I want you to seek my face, and you don't know how to do it, I'm going to be this one here. I'm going to be the one who encourages you daily as long as it's called today. So that I'm going to be your champion. That's my number one priority as a pastor, is if you want to start a life or pick up your life of prayer and seeking God's face, so, you, so that when, when, when hell is broken loose, like it was in King David's life, when sin that you cannot overcome overtakes you, you will know exactly what to do. I'm in. 
if that means for you, if all you can spare is 2 a.m. on a Monday morning, I'm in. I'm serious. If all you can do is, I'm, I'm a, I, I hate morning, but if you say, Pastor, you know 5 a.m. is only I can do it, I will do it. If you are saying, I'm serious, I'm taking my full control responsibility, I'm going to devote my life to be a man after, a woman after God's own heart. I'm going to hear him, I'm going to seek him, and I'm going to obey him. If that is what you want to say in the act of prayer, I'm going to champion you. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to do whatever I can to build a team around you to help you become a champion in this life. Because, again, without prayer, without hearing him, without following him, it's not going to go well at all for you. The only redemption is, I realized, someone's praying for you. So you think your life is going good right now? Well, if you haven't been praying, it ain't to your credit. All that's happening good in your life, it's someone else who prayed. It could have been a parent. It could have even been somebody in Ethiopia. It could have been somebody in Cuba. It could have been somebody out there who's praying for some people in, 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 in Hawaii. And if there's no prayer over your life, God is saying, I'm going to hear my friend's prayer all the way out in Antarctica who's praying for you in Guam, and I'm going to bless you. And the whole time I'm thinking, oh, I'm such a good person. My life is great. No. But there comes a time in your life where you say, that's it. I'm going to join God's fight. God, here's my heart. Lead me, teach me, train me to have a heart after you. Train me how to live as a king in your life, friends. So again, if that offer to you didn't make sense, come and ask me later. But, you know, that is my prayer is that I, I, I want to see a people in this church to be known as a people who, who are after God's own heart. What that means is they can hear God, they seek God no matter what, and they obey. And that has to be seen in your workplace, in your family. And if it doesn't, we have failed. We have dropped the ball. We have lost the power and the authority that God has to live as his kings. So, um, yeah, I was going to talk about Solomon today, but I'm out of time. I'll do that next week. But if you could take a moment right now just to close our eyes, if the praise thing can come up for the closing. I want to ask us to, to take a moment to look into your own heart right now and the question I asked earlier, are you right now King David in the middle of the battlefield, pursuing the Lord, serving his purposes? I haven't told you what that battle looks like, but are you in the battle for Jesus? Or are you right now King David on that rooftop, enjoying the blessing of God, the bounty of God, but you completely forgot why you live? And it's in your hand, it's in your decision. Your heart is your heart. Your affections, it's yours. I pray that this will be a moment of turning. But I want us to not just do this emotionally, but make a, a decision, clear decision in your life. Is, is seeking the Lord's face in prayer the most important in your life? I'll be honest with you. It took me the pandemic. It took me all these years to be fully convinced it's prayer or non, nothing. This life of being a child of God it's all in vain if I don't have a prayer life. It's true, because if I cannot see him, if I cannot feel him, my heart is already hardened. Some of us, we don't even know where we're at because our heart's already dead. But you will know when your heart's alive. Until you know that we have to fight this battle. So God, I pray, number one, I want us to hear the truth of God your zealous love for us. I want us to remember the sacrifice on that cross, the suffering, the pain that you experienced on that cross. It was for me. 
It was because you want to deliver me from the kingdom of darkness to bring me into the kingdom of light of the Son, Jesus Christ. I thank you the door is open. It's an invitation. God is saying, hey, I want to help you live like Jesus, full of power, full of wisdom, love. I want to help you live the best life that you could ever dream or ask of. But the decision to take up the arm and follow him, that's up to you. He's waiting. He has never stopped. And the most important thing I want you to get is this. We're in this together. I'm not standing before you as somebody who, who can probably say, oh, I've never you know, missed a moment in my life. My heart is after God's own heart. Everybody follow me. No, I'm just another sinner that has realized, wow, life is nothing. Life has no purpose. Money, blessings, family, all of these dreams, passions, it is nothing if I don't know Jesus, if I don't have a prayer life where I know I'm hearing the voice of God. And so I'm here with you to say, let's do it together. Let's encourage each other and say, you are a king. You are a king. You are full of power and love. That's why this church exists, to train people to be kings. So again, just take a moment, and when you are ready just to respond, we're going to close in this song. And I want you to stand today uh, just as in response to the Lord. If you're saying, God, I want to get out of my comfortable bedroom spiritually, and I want to go into the, into the battlefield because I want to see the glory of God. I'll tell you one secret. When you fight, God fights. That's the amazing thing. You think King David had power? No, 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 no. It's because he said, I will, in his heart, I'll fight. God says, I'll fight for you. That's the promise. If that's the promise you want today to make a decision, I, you know, I, I don't know where you are. I, I would love to help you. But if today make a decision. Say, God, I want to get out of that, the bedroom of comfort and of living in the world, pursuing my own, what I see, feel, and think. And I want to get out of there and go to the battlefield. I want you to stand. And I want you to receive God's support and the dreams that he has for you. If that is you to stand today, and we're going to sing this song together. Let me pray for us. God, we offer you our time, our love. Lord, we don't want this life to be meaningless. In fact, now we know why King Solomon said, vanity, vanity, all is meaningless. That's how he ended his life, saying everything. He was the most wealthy, most handsome, most studied man in the entire universe, human history. But he said it is all worth nothing. Why? Because his heart left God. Let that not be our destiny. Let that not be our story in this life. We started out great, but we failed tremendously, Lord. But that is where we're going without this decision today. So, Father, speak to our heart today. Let us pursue you hot, hard after you in Jesus' name. So just stand. When